still on? <laughs> why? Why did it go for a little bit? Oh, it counted in. It said one, two, three, four. A one, a two, a one, two, three. But I'm. And thanks for joining us live for our musical intro. Wait, was that recorded? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say. Um, well, first we should do. Uh, welcome to. This is not a history lecture. Lecture. Um, I have to say that I'm glad to be back recording. It was weird not recording last week. It, yeah. I, there's going to be a week or two where we have to pre-record because one of us is going to be out of town. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I realized there will be like a two-week gap where we don't record anything. And it's going to feel so weird. It's going to be weird. Um, I'm not... It's it, it's it's going to be weird, which I didn't realize how weird it was going to be until yeah. it was weird last week. Because it's if you're joining us now, hopefully you will... Well, not hopefully. Um, well, yeah, hopefully... At one point, you yeah. will have or will in the future listen to our previous episode, which was our first emergency episode. Oh, yes. Which we now have to re-record that one. But I'm not going to worry oh, shoot, about that right. one until maybe mid-June. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's when we will have time to do that. Yeah. But for those of you who might be a little concerned, it's okay. There was not a like emergency emergency or anything, mm-hmm. like medical. We just had tech issues. Yeah. So Couldn't get mics. Just like I said, last time we yeah. recorded... We would only use that if we can't get mics. So, yeah, thank you for yeah. bearing with us. Uh-huh. And turns out, it's good to know now, but uh, the university recalls all of its equipment at the end of the semester yeah. and doesn't check anything out. I'm sure it's for, like, inventory and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but which is fair and valid. But it's good to know now. Yes. Yeah. Very good to know. Yeah. But, yeah, that's... So, how have you been, Kat? We've good. had a lot that happened since the last time we chatted. We have. I'm getting feeling back in my arm. That's good. A little bit. Like, it's tingly. Like, it's it's a muted feeling. Yeah. But we had to sweep out the entire warehouse this week. And after hours of moving my arm like that, I don't know what happened. But it's kind of coming back. So, well, excited yeah. for that. And I have ballet practice stuff today I'm excited for. And we finished finals. And we still kind of have a paper due. But yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's I not like I'm a paper gonna... paper. Yeah, I think I'm going to give myself a due date of May 15th for that, because they said mid-May. It's due the 14th. The 14th? Yeah, that's what Lisa told us. Lisa told you that? It was on an email she sent us, yeah. Really? Yes. Okay, well then I give myself a due date of the 14th. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. That's the day I get a tattoo. I'm excited. (gasps) You didn't make an appointment? Yeah. Ooh. Um, The one that you had, like, drawn on your arm for testing? No, no. That's one that I am considering getting when i'm in colorado because when i'm in Col- well i'm gonna be in colorado the first week of june which is again when we're gonna pre-record, pre-record. um it's, i'm really excited it's gonna be the first time i go to colorado it's gonna be a lot of fun um but while i'm there it's the week before my birthday like i get back oh, the seventh and then yeah. the eighth is my birthday so i'm like well why don't i get myself like a tattoo for my birthday That'd and i could have idea. two tattoos Two more tattoos. That'd be awesome. Um, but the studio that I would want to go to is, like, super cool, and I'm sure they're very, like, busy. Um, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, but if it does, it does, and it'll be great, and it'll work out. Um, but if it doesn't, I'm not going to, like, be too upset about it. Um, but no, yeah, this is – this tattoo that I'm getting on Friday, so, like, two days from now, um, is in addition to my moon tattoo on my arm. I'm going to – Oh, I'm gonna add a little. Are you gonna get a fairy? I'm gonna get a little fairy. Yes, yes. Um, I know you talked about that. Yeah, my parents growing up have had this piece of stained glass, like my whole life, 
And I've always thought it was so cool. It was like this fairy and she's like pinup style. It's so, oh, I love it's it. such a nice, ugh, I love it so much. Um, and I want the fairy on my arm to be loosely inspired by her. So You're I'm so very cute. excited. I want to see pictures. Oh, absolutely. Are you going, are you doing it in town or are you going up or down? Um, no, I'm going to be back in Houston. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm after we record today. Probably not today. I'm gonna leave tomorrow. Oh, um, I go thought back you were leaving Houston. Saturday. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. And my dog needs to get groomed, and he gets groomed. Um, <laughs> Kitty. So um. So yeah, I'm gonna be leaving after, like tomorrow afternoon. So um, are Kitty and Appa going with you? Mm-hmm. Cool. Everyone's going. And it's gonna be really exciting because my parents found a puppy on the side of the road, and I think they're attached. They are. Which is interesting because I wasn't expecting it. But they were calling me yesterday with name ideas. And oh. honestly, they have some weird names. <laughs> I mean... My mom wants to name her Mavis. That's not the weirdest name I've ever heard. It's not the weirdest name, but it's a puppy. It's not like, I don't know, some old pug. Like, I feel like an old, like, wrinkly dog. Oh, my God. Mavis. The person I know who has a dog named Mavis, it's a pug. Exactly. <laughs> That's a pug name. This is not a pug. Like That's fair. She That's is, a Catalua. Yeah, Catalua. Um, they want to give her some, because apparently that breed was developed in Louisiana, which my mom was oh. researching. So they said they wanted to give her some, like, Cajun, like, traditionally, like, Louisiana name. And I think the first name that they proposed to me was, like, Ada, Adelaide or something like that. Adelaide is a beautiful name. It's a I beautiful love it. name, but like calling a dog Addy, like I don't know. What about Ada? That's I'm just cute. thinking of Peaky Blinders yeah, now. But that... <laughs> <laughs> I told because they found the puppy outside of this little town called Winnie. And I was like, That'd why don't so you name cute. the dog Winnie? That's such a cute name. That'd be adorable, especially like, that dog with the blue I eyes. Know. And, like and... Uh, I argued with them. I was like. Listen, I don't care whatever other name you come up with. I vote for Winnie. Yeah. And they were like, no, we have a cat named Weenie, so we don't want to do Winnie. That, I was like, that's different. That would be kind of... It would be, but, like, that's a cat, and she's a dog, and True. the cat, like, doesn't come when you call her name. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. Well, Ada or Adelaide would be... Yeah. What about, like, 80? Like, Adelaide, 80? Maybe. I, that's cute. That's better than the crap my mom was coming up with. <laughs> I'm very good at naming things because of all my characters in my books. There you go. That's, I'm kidding. Names I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible I mean, at naming to be characters. fair, Kat has only ever told me one name of one of her characters, and I'm not allowed to know anything else about the books. No, you are not. I don't know why, because I feel like we've reached the point where you're pretty comfortable with it. No, I am not. You told our whole class. That I write, not what they're about. Oh, my God. This is why I have a running joke that Kat writes Batman fan fiction. <laughs> because I am given nothing else to work with. So believe it's, what you want to believe. It's just Bruce Wayne, yeah. like, it, being in a fan fiction. And I'm not going to get into those details. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable with that concept. But I don't... Yeah, that's why I joke about it. I know. (laughs) There's only, like, seven people in our cohort, though. So, like, telling people that I write was not a far leap. Y'all just don't get to know what I write. Yeah, well, you just told however many people listen to this podcast. So, congrats. I mean, writing isn't the secret. The secret is what I write. Exactly. Batman (laughs) fan fiction. (laughs) Batman fan fiction, guys. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, yeah, so that's what's up with me. Yeah, semester's nice. over. Going back to Houston for a little bit for a visit before the summer starts, which also I cannot get over how great summers are here. Like this, I don't like this place where we're currently for the oh. most part, but summers here when all the school kids leave. Oh, yeah. Ugh, it's so nice. Yeah. I'm like, everyone get the out of my way. You can and actually finally do get to the restaurants now without <sighs> insanity. It's so nice. Which would be nice because if you go early now, there will be like no one there and I'll be a little more COVID safe. Yeah. Even though we're both fully vaccinated. Like it's still a concern. Yeah. Well, like, so I left my house at like 10 o'clock to come here and record. You would have think with the amount of people on the road, you would have thought it was like 7, 15 in the morning. Yeah. No. Like it's dead. It's so amazing. I went to get the mics this morning and I drove through campus and I was like, ah, they've all been apocalypsed. nice. Great. It uh, really, I really hate when people are like in my way. So well, when, when I people realized, are out of my way, it's amazing. Well, like I've always been, I like doing my research like out places, but we have I haven't gone to a single like coffee shop to study mm-hmm. or anything all year because of COVID. But if everyone's gone and they're all empty, I'm gonna go to, like that donut shop and just sit yeah. there in a corner for hours and I'll work. I'll go with you because I that's another update. I now have a thesis to work on. Oh. Well, it could be a thesis or a project. We haven't quite decided, but it's leaning towards a thesis right now. So I will have lots of research to do in addition to podcast research. Our friend Joy that y'all have heard us talk about before, she's starting her research this weekend. So For her I know project? Yeah, I know yeah. we'll both be gone, but the week yeah. we get back, we could start like working yeah. together. Yeah, no, that'll be good. Um, I have to do some stuff. For your project? Yeah, no, my writing because I'm, oh. I'm trying to get some stuff done and actually. Like... <laughs> yeah, I. Well, it was funny because I was like, this week, like it's Wednesday now, and like Monday, I spent a lot of that day working on research for my thesis, oh. and then yesterday, I spent all of yesterday doing doing these notes for the yeah. two episodes we're recording today. Um, and so my mom called last night and I was like, there's too much research. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I told my roommate, I was like, I was like, I don't think I can learn anything more. Yeah. Maxed out. <laughs> I was like, I learned so much for my thesis and I'm learning so much for this podcast. I was like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. And anyone who researches knows there's a big difference between seeking out that information and mm-hmm. discerning good information from bad and learning it yourself yeah. and having a teacher just throw it at you and memorize. So it's always a yeah. very different, like you're like, I can go to school for seven hours, but I can't do this. It's a very different. It's it's very different, especially because like right now it's like very preliminary. Like my professor or the professor I'm working with, like just gave basically handed me some articles and was like, use these as a starting point. We'll go from here. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so right now I'm like working through the list of articles that she gave me. Um, because I definitely want to have those done Mm -hmm. by the time we chat again. But, um, so like right now it's super easy, but I know that like once I start having to like pull articles and books and stuff like that for myself, right. It's a whole different world. Cause I've done that before. Cause you can be like, this source is so perfect. And then you pull it and it, mentions what you wanted to talk about for like two pages and, and the like, rest of it Damn. is just useless information yes. uh, it's so frustrating frustrating the life of the researcher and for this podcast it's like it's usually pretty easy because we're not having to be like academic in the way that we approach this mm-hmm. but sometimes you get weird crap yeah and you're like what's happening 
Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially with some of the lesser known historical figures. You're yes. like, is this, is this a reliable... Is that a good source? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, I guess I'll use this. <laughs> well, and this episode is a fiver, so it's themed. Every yes. five episodes, we throw in a theme. This week's theme is... Plagues. Plagues. Not to be topical or anything. <laughs> Not like we're in the middle of a panini. Panoramic. Panda Express. My mom, when you first said, like, oh, we're in the middle of a pepperoni or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, called me. She was like, why did Kat call it a pepperoni? And I was like, because that's what everyone calls it, mom. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, everyone just uses a random P word. She's like, okay. It's <laughs> a coping like, mechanism. I was like, did I need to explain that to you? I don't know. Um. Yeah, so yeah. we have stumbled into this pattern because we always talked about, like, doing regular themed episodes because there's so much in history and it would be fun mm-hmm. for us to, like, connect topics and stuff. Uh, we always talked about that, but we didn't really know a pattern. And then we stumbled into it because we had our mountain episode on five mm-hmm. and then we had our assassination episode on ten. Yes. So now we have a pattern. So every fifth episode, we will have a theme. Boop, boop. So this is our first consciously aware of that a- episode. Attempted theme, yes. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, I am doing the bubonic plague. Because what else would you be doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing the Spanish flu. So we'll get oh, to that yeah. later. But and for now, yeah. Kat's going to tell us about the bubonic plague. Alrighty. Um, yeah, I'll be talking about the bubonic plague, the black death, the great mortality. There's like a million names for it. There always are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these names weren't coined till much later. I think the term that a lot of people were using, it, it was in Latin or like inspired by Latin at that time period. And we know it is. What What are you, what were you taught? Were you taught to call it the Black Death? I was taught mainly the Black Death and the bubonic plague. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, so- it seems like those started to show up mm-hmm. around the 17th century. Interesting. Because and- the black death sounds very, like, medieval. It does. And yeah. I think it's because, like, well, the medieval time period is also greatly characterized in turn by the plague and by all the art that came out of it. Like, if you look at art from this time period, it's very, it's like a lot of the art's named, like, the conqueror of or death conquers or like it's so macabre because of how dark these were and in turn that art and that expression of society turned around and like changed the rest of society and what we view it now as which a lot of people i was told i think in middle school that like it's called the black death because you got these black boils on your skin but you don't you do get boils but yeah i um, never heard that i think it's because the the term the great mortality it got like mistranslated over time almost mm. in in its latin form and yeah but there's a bunch of names for it um it is one of the deadliest hi- in history i'm i think it's behind smallpox yeah but i think there's of, a like, big diseases? discussion of smallpox because smallpox in theory well not in theory it was a huge destroyer of the american indigenous populations yes and historians do not agree cannot seem to agree on how many people that was that it killed versus uh people coming to america and physically murdering the indigenous populations and slaughtering them or how much of it was bio warfare when people came to america so it it gets really hard to discern but it seems like smallpox did kill more people than the bubonic plague if you're considering the amount of indigenous people yeah but i had a history teacher tell me once that 
quote, thousands of indigenous people died in America when it is an upper double digits of millions. <laughs> millions. And um, tens of millions. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting because like, I don't know, like we tend to have this like frame or like mindset that oh, this is something except for when it's applied to, like, indigenous, uh, like, communities and, like, what happened with indigenous history. Mm -hmm. Because, like, we committed genocide. Yes. To the American indigenous people. Yes. North and South American indigenous indigenous people. But, like, people are very hesitant to call that genocide. They Just, like, they're very hesitant to call the smallpox epidemic and all the other like bio warfare mm-hmm. like a plague well i think people get very wary of it because it's hard they, they get i mean there's a million reasons we could go into the ethical issues but i think people hear the word genocide and they think holocaust and yeah. they assume it's this institutionalized effort to kill people when america very much i mean there's documents of presidents and mm-hmm. government leaders telling people mm-hmm. distribute blankets to the indigenous population that are filled with smallpox that yeah, are like that are that infested. infested and because infected. if you have like something that's like i like if you have like say a boat mm-hmm. that someone has contracted smallpox like right. you have to burn all that which shit. is what they did during the plague yeah this bubonic mm-hmm. plague so like so like if yeah even a blanket could cause like mass amounts and of you don't have problems. to worry about uprisings well not even uprisings people defending their land people defending yeah. what's theirs if they're all sick Standing already for themselves yeah and there's i mean if we're gonna we can talk we would need episodes to talk about america's genocide um and i very much consider it one especially after the first the first year that i was studying genocide i was like oh i don't know and then by the end of it Just i got it's out of my so, like ingrained in us it's like it right. wasn't a genocide it was an accident it was dis- no it was incredibly intentional it was so intentional and if you look at like there's different kinds of genocide there's biological like there's cultural genocide which a hundred percent shipping indigenous populations off to boarding schools where their entire identity was stripped and yep. they were forced to assimilate yep. that's cultural genocide uh-huh it uh-huh. is and yeah. there in many ways we that's a whole different episode but yes yeah if you account for smallpox the bubonic plague is probably the worst um mm-hmm. and people don't even agree on that i think the final death toll some people say 25 million some say 50 million mm-hmm. like there's a huge that's how gap. it is that's like the gap in the spanish flu too it's like 20 mm-hmm. to 50 million people can't really agree on estimates exactly yeah. and it's but either way you would assume that assume that in killing the entire like indigenous population of what is now America yeah. would be yeah, more and than I guess that. that's hard to call it just a plague because so many other factors were killing people too yes. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, so a plague was happening, but I think it is people. safe to say that the bubonic plague, while being probably the most deadly, mm-hmm. unintentional, only like solely plague yeah. thing to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that um. It, it was probably the second worst after smallpox. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the disease history is – I'll make this disclaimer now that, like, there is, like scientists, historians, they have to work together on this kind of research, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons they don't agree a lot of the time. Yeah. And people come at it from different angles and different historiography, which is, again, like, why we can't even figure out how many people died from the indigenous population in America or yep. in, in this. So – it's very debated. Numbers are going to be very debated. Um, if you're interested, you can go look at different interpretations and do your own research. I kind of tried to mention the low 
the low numbers and the high numbers so you can kind of see where yeah. people are, what people are yeah, discussing. Yeah, I think that's a good middle ground. <laughs> yeah. And there are multiple waves of the bubonic plague that hit especially Europe but hit the entire world, world. um yeah. but this is the one i'm going to discuss today is the most famous one um it's the it hit in the 1340s it's usually listed between 47 and 51 sometimes they listed all the way until 53 and those were the, like the the really bad one that we know of and talk about in school um it's kind of like covid you know it comes in strains and waves and it hits yeah. different countries at different mm-hmm. times that's how the spanish flu worked too i, I just mm-hmm. keep talking about the spanish flu we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 i need to shut up there's well, just a so it's so it's, interesting because there's so many commonalities exactly. between plagues mm-hmm. even you know hundreds of years apart yeah oh yeah 100 percent. it's it's fascinating and it history i know i kind of think history is cyclical but i always like what you say that history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes Oh, I don't say that. Is that you? No, that oh. was our professor. Oh, that was our professor. <laughs> <laughs> I paid attention. It's a good, it's a good se- saying, but yeah. Well, well, I was kind of salty because he like I had a good like saying, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that's good," but I like this one better, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> tiny, whatever." <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> but it's it's hard to predict what diseases are going to do, especially as technology and medicine becomes modernized so they're all going to be a little different but there are similarities in how we react to plagues and everything yeah for sure and there's a really great comprehensive timeline from history.com if you want to go look at like when it was spreading to different areas so if you want like details on which towns were hit when what year what happened in those individual places totally go check out their timeline it was really helpful for me and there's some really cool interactive maps that you can like hit, hit play and it'll yeah. show you like this well the, the, yeah it's fun doing like topics that people teach about in history class because yeah. there's all these resources mm-hmm. and it's not just like boring articles it's like ooh games yeah, <laughs> I can watch it. it's like the Oregon Trail like yeah exactly after we did the Donner Party episode I did stay up for like five hours playing did the you Donner. really and you <laughs> didn't even tell Trail. me yeah please tell me you like put people from your real life in the as the other <laughs> names <up. laughs> That would be so funny. Cannibalism was not an option on Oregon Trail. That's because it is an educational tool. Yeah. <laughs> also, did you get that TikTok I sent you? I have been so bad at looking at my TikTok. Okay, it's it was like which of these events is your bestie obsessed with? And it was like Titanic, Triangle, Shirtwaist. Oh my god! Like all Oregon Trail. And oh I was like, I've done all of these. And then the last one was like Pompeii. And I was like, dang it, they knew I was gonna do it in a couple weeks. I know. <laughs> but yeah, things really call you out uh, a lot more when. It was like everything I've talked about so far on this yeah. podcast. You're like, whoa. Like, do you know I have a podcast? That's really rude. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's like, yeah, I feel attacked. But yeah. So go go look at some resources. It's really interesting, especially because there are a lot of things in this time period in the 1300s that we don't have great documentation of. But this was such a cultural thing that they had to learn to live with that, yeah. I mean... It, it, it took up so much of their society. They wrote so much. They p- painted so much. Art was so influenced that we have a lot of resources on it. Mm-hmm. So go enjoy those resources. So I'm going to start off with the medical information a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, modern science, we now know that it was caused by the bacterium Yersinia pestis, um, which is spread by rats and fleas. So basically you, you have a host and you have yeah. – Yeah. So – the fleas kind of jump rat to rat, animal to animal, and hygiene in this time period was awful, but also the amount of feral animals, guys, yeah. like, yeah. you think it's bad now, like, 
animals just kind of like lived in your house with you and yeah. and lived in the streets and then you'd wake up one morning and be like oh i have a new cat there you go there we go i mean to be fair that kind of still happens that does but like <laughs> yeah we we sh- no definitely not to yeah. the extent that <laughs> but it's funny because like how many stories of people just have of like waking up and there being a random cat and they're just house. like oh look that. like when did you get here <laughs> basically yes yeah uh, but this complete like dominance of feral animals, especially rats, really contributed to the quick spread. Um, even now, like this, this is a very still a present dis- disease. People still get it, even in America. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's it travels on other furry friends too, I think. But I think rats were so common in this time period and so dominant in the ecosystem in inner cities yeah. and stuff that it's kind of attributed uh-huh. to them not to mention that it's like i don't know how far back like the hatred of rats started but like it's kind of like the hatred of snakes like yeah. that's almost a biblical thing like yeah. that's that goes back yeah. so far it's much easier to blame it on the rats than on the cats which yeah. i think they did blame it on the cats for a while right did they i, I always heard that they that. like blamed it on the cats because the fleas would bite the cats which is you know that's probably and then i also heard that they like (laughs) like some towns would like vanquish all the cats you know that wouldn't surprise me um i didn't see that in any of my research yeah i don't know that also was something that i've just like remembered from middle school so who knows how accurate that is (laughs) it's very probable um again we will find things that we talk about that we don't even know there are our own answers to. So feel <laughs> yeah. free to look them yeah. up. If you, hey, if you know that answer, let us know. Yeah. Email us. Yeah. This at, is not a history lecture. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I can't you. speak right. This yeah. is not a history lecture <laughs> at gmail.com. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear from you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was probably passed by cats and rats and anything that could carry a flea. So dogs too. Little yeah. Boys. Um, but it was a viral infection in origin, but without a real understanding of hygiene or bathing, it spread host to host like crazy. Your lymph, your, your glands smell like crazy. You get these pus filled boils. <laughs> There's flu symptoms like headaches, chills, fever, short, yeah. shortness of breath, vomiting, sometimes like hallucinations, hallucinations and visions, hemorrhaging in your actual brain, swelling in mm. your joints and just random parts of your body. Uh, the the boils are called buboes. <laughs> Don't give me that face. Like buboes. <laughs> yeah, buboes. B u b o. That's fun. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah, um, I think that's where the name bubonic comes from. Interesting. Um, I always thought bubonic was like a scientific name. I think it's the scientific version of those those boils they were getting. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Gotcha. It's dangerous enough to kill about fifty percent of the people that infect it. Yeah. in this time period now we have mm-hmm. a little bit more of a treatment with antibiotics but if you don't this is not fear-mongering i don't want to scare y'all if you're if you sneeze while you hear this you do not have the bubonic plague you're okay <laughs> um but it can take up to five day five days to kill but it can take as little as half a day yeah so like if you don't catch the symptoms mm-hmm. in time it can still be a, a deadly issue and that yeah. it, that's an america where we have not easy access to medical care because i'm not going to say that when a lot of our country yeah. doesn't but supposedly when we have healthcare. when you have access to the access, healthcare, yeah you're okay usually mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't hear but in other parts of the world that don't have as quick or easy access to medical mm-hmm. care um it is a bigger problem all of the current strains that we have of yesenia pestis 
can be traced back to this dominant strain nice. that tore through Europe. The so. mother strain. The that, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, you're right. <laughs> so the plague itself is thought to have been originally from China, like inner Asia. Um, lately, academics have really started to hone in on the Mongol-dominated lands. And mm. it spread. We talked about the Silk Road and how that also helps spread disease. And yeah, but the reason that this usually gets covered in a European context is because it just like it's a disproportionate percentage of damage that it did in the European spaces because people were so concentrated there. Yeah, in Europe, like I think at this point, like they were dirty, dirtier than a lot oh, yeah. of the other parts of the world. Well, and there's <laughs> it's it's like if you have. A pandemic in India or New York or yeah. a, 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 concentrated. Yeah, where was it that it, in China that shut down like immediately because they knew that people are just stacked on top of each other and if like you have an outbreak, it's going to be so deadly. I don't know, but I I, yeah, there's a lot of China or places in China that are like very, that very, very careful about it because yeah. yeah. So when you're a nomadic group that mm-hmm. doesn't have consistent contact in a town and you're not sedentary, it it helps almost because it's not a whole population on top of each other they're relatively isolated as they move but when they do move from place to place and come in contact with each other they're spreading it way faster yeah um and those nomadics yeah they'll (laughs) they'll spread it around yeah yeah and it's it starts popping up roughly 1346 cases start to show up in mongolia in with again silk road and their nomadic habits they kind of spread it around a little bit in their capital and i'm gonna mispronounce this and i apologize <laughs> sarai it's s-a-r-a-i um yeah i don't know sarai maybe maybe yeah Probably sarai. sarai that sounds a little better um yeah. but they did have a big outbreak there because that was their like stationary capital yeah okay and, that makes sense yeah yeah and so with these trade routes that a lot of them rely on ocean travel they it's they start to see it pop up in kind of like the port areas around mm-hmm. the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. And there, this is where we see one of the, I want to say it's one of the earliest forms of biological warfare. Although I think in one of our freshman classes, they talked yeah. about how in ancient Greece, they oh, actually. Sure. Those Greek people would definitely yeah. use that. Yeah. So I don't think it's like the original. Yeah. But it's, they, would, it's, they would like catapult bodies yes. over walls. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a thing. I, I think yeah. that's been a thing for a long time, but there was one place I was looking that said, this is our earliest record of bio-warfare. And I was like, I don't think so. I think the Greeks were doing it to each other. Was it during the Pel- Peloponnesian War? Maybe. I, I, I want to say it was. very foggy understanding of the Greek wars. I mean, same. But like, I, that's a rough... There was that, some war where the Greeks were like... We were history majors, yeah. not classic majors. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. Also, our department is severely lacking in classics professors. Oh, Otherwise, yeah, there's like no classics. We should have had a lot deeper education into that. Yeah, oops. Whoops. But, um, yeah. So, anywho, there's a skirmish with the Mongols, the army of uh, Kipchak Khan Jinebeg. I'm so sorry if I'm butchering these names, guys. And the Italians. And the Mongols, you know, germ theory doesn't exist how we have it now, but they know that, like, coming in contact with the infection is obviously how you get it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they're catapulting bodies towards the italians i just every time i try to picture that it's like oh my god wow yeah that's uh that's quite yeah again history people were lives were much more expendable yes um just because of how often people died and it's like 
weird and you still shouldn't be catapulting bodies <laughs> but at the same time it's like kind of funny <laughs> well, it's also like very utilitarian because oh yeah I they mean, use their resources yeah the mongols they had this outbreak in their own army and they're like well, what are we gonna do with these bodies like because it's either mass grave yeah. or mm-hmm. even after death your body is used for war and uh and they probably saw that as honorable knowing uh, yeah, the culture. yeah. i, I kind of thought that too i was like this is i i see where their justification came from like yeah yeah, yeah. um so mediterranean ports yes um, there's a lot of close, close quarter contact. Both of these sides, the Italians and the Mongols, are kind of destroying their own populations within the army. But the survivors flee, bringing it from just the areas around kind of like the Mediterranean ports, the Black Sea, up to Constantinople. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm, keep mm-hmm. singing. I'm going to have to like pay royalties one of these days. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford okay. royalties. We can't. <laughs> it's because I was watching Umbrella Academy yesterday and they use that song. Oh, do they really? Oh, it's a great sequence. Yes. They do a lot of really cool sound editing. Yeah, stuff. I know. I need to watch it. Really good. Um, So they think that Constantinople could have lost up to 85%. Oh my God. Population. Really? Really? Yes. I didn't know because I always heard the hardest parts were hit like 50%. Like, yeah, but first, like, again, historians don't actually know. These yeah, are that's very rough estimates. Yeah. For all we know, they lost, like, 50% of their population. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. some historians say that they could have lost up to 85%. Wow. And I think the fall of Constantinople was... What year was that? Can you Google it? I don't I want to let go of my I mic because I'm holding it. I want to say it's 1452, but I could be very wrong. Because it would make sense that if this really decimated the population that badly, that... Constantinople could have had lasting effects. Damn. Damn, I was one year off. 1453. Whoa. Oh, my God. Nice. I have approximate knowledge of many things. <laughs> I love it. I'm, impre- I'm impressed. I wouldn't even have gotten there. Oh, my God. I'm pretty impressed, even though I'm annoyed that, of course, it's one year off. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed. We're going to just pretend you got a spot on because you basically did. Yeah. But, I mean, the repercussions of losing this many people lasted for, I mean, we're st- world population didn't recover for no. hundreds of years. like yeah. yeah so could you imagine where like population wise what we would be like? not at all i can't like, even if that hadn't happened yeah insane insane yeah. also though if you think about it like we might if it had been i'm thinking about like euro domination of other places yeah this probably actually held off some of those colonization tendencies for Definitely. a while yeah yeah Dang. I mean, yeah. Dwight was a right. lot of things were, like, delayed because of this, I'd imagine. Just think of Dwight saying, like, we need a new plague. We need a new plague. <laughs> and we got one. Oh, no, we did! Oh, okay. Too soon. Yeah. Um, um, this would be a lot more fun if, like, real people weren't dying. <laughs> yeah, I feel... Yeah. And by fun, I mean not fun. But, but it, it would be a lot more... You could see the benefit for the world if real people weren't yeah. suffering and dying from this. I, I, it's like how far removed do you have to be to look at it completely objectively we're mm-hmm. in 1300s here and we can objectively look at this and say like okay oh, yeah. we got a whole new world of art and literature out of it but also mm-hmm. like millions of people died yeah it was and, not a good time yeah but anyway so places like constantinople some of them were hit ridiculously hard um others that survivors from that little war fled back to italy where it takes root in Sicily and kills at least half of their population, if not more. Yeah. The residents of these towns are flee- start fleeing as well and start spreading it with them everywhere. Everywhere! Nice. Which we have seen Yeah, because, like, fleeing. 
a pandemic, that makes sense. Yes. We, we see it here. Even people who are just like, I need a weekend to get away. I'm flying up to like yeah, New York. True. And you're like, stop. Like, okay. We just need this. Um, Maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, germ theory doesn't exist the way we know it. Like, it's, it's really weird because they had a decent understanding of like, not hygiene as we know it now, but yeah. understanding that like, if you're feeling sick, you shouldn't go around other people like there's a there's Mm -hmm. the sick room there's the families who like yeah seclude themselves in their homes when they're sick and stuff like that but it's probably because like diseases have been around so long that people have been able to figure out oh you go around sick person you get sick Mm -hmm. like well i remember learning about like john stark in Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get this date so wrong i'm I'm gonna try to say the date but he's the like he's one of the people that was originally Mm -hmm. like okay yes you're right this thing called quote bad air yeah. is a cause uh-huh. like they just thought it was bad air but also like water and yeah. transmissible like all these other things mm-hmm. the like germ cell theory is not there yet the un- the microscopic understanding they that this understand exist. yeah they understand that diseases are a physical thing i think mm-hmm. but they don't understand what or the, how or anything. like antibodies yeah. viral mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um so they don't understand totally water supply and how these preventative measures and stuff can actually stop a spread, but they did end up trying to enforce like social distancing policies almost. Interesting. It is. Yeah. Um, but as all this is moving in towards the mainland, it starts to kill about a third of the population and it's just people fleeing yeah. further inland and inland and yeah. inland. And then it hits the bulk of Europe. And there's a dominant strain by now. Well, like a second dominant strain, I should mm-hmm. say. Like there's the already dominant and then there's one that starts to really hit hard. Yeah. And a ship arrives to also, like like parts of Italy that weren't as bad yet. Ships are arriving and there are some areas also that go entirely untouched. Like Milan somehow pretty much goes... Yeah, is it it's Milan or Milan? Milan. Milan, okay. Yeah. I just had a complete... No, I've, always, I've heard that about yeah. the bubonic plague that like there's just pockets they don't know why there's like there are some guesses like something they did yeah like well there was like one thing i was reading that was like yeah there were towns that were like so severe about it that if someone in your household got sick they were like completely secluded and like all their things were burned and Mm -hmm. like ships were being burned in the harbors when they it it was crazy and then some places like this i don't know if it was hygiene practices if maybe they maybe their well or their water sources were moving water sources instead of sedentary wells or something but these people somehow in these very small pockets escape with like maybe one family dying or like you know like one noble family or one peasant family and yeah that's crazy yeah that it's really interesting and of course you know it's like the 1350s so like we don't have that good of a documentation the the documentation is rough no Mm. one knows what they're talking about like it's just so frustrating because you have all these questions right and it's like i don't want to go get the bubonic plague but if i had my n95 mask and everything i could spend a day there and just walk around and be like how are you feeling yeah also Lots just to like account. vibe in one of those like plague doctor outfits so fun fact the plague doctor outfit as we know it i don't think originated with the black death really yeah i was reading on this because huh. i got curious because 
with bad air and everything, people would hold like pouches of mm-hmm. herbs and seeds mm-hmm. and food and stuff in their in front of their face, thinking yeah. it would help cleanse the air they were breathing. Uh-huh. And that's so even then they had like a concept of mask and filtering. And yeah, like, yeah. Well, that something could get rid of the bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, but I always thought the plague doctor mask and that whole outfit originated. Yeah, from me the too. Plague. Did it not? I don't think so. Interesting. From what I looked up, I have it in my notes somewhere. Hold on. Let me scroll. It's probably towards the bottom. Um, okay. So it looks like it showed up in the... Oh, wait. I lost it again. <laughs> oh, notes. yeah. It looks like it showed up for the first time in record in the 1600s. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and maybe they originated back in this time. It just didn't but I've, it. if I think about it, this time period, the yeah. art, I've never seen a plague doctor mask. No, it's, it's true. It's just unmasked you people would think it would laying be, in the streets. Yeah, you would think it would be pretty prominent, mm-hmm. like that vision. vision. Yeah, death is like, usually, I, like depicted as a skeleton in these yeah. paintings, and then like the people huh. are just victims at its feet. Interesting. Yeah, and it, I find it fascinating because the, the design of the plague doctor mask was originally... To stuff all the flowers stuff, in. Yeah. yeah. And in the beak of it and mm-hmm. kind of cleanse, quote, the air. Yeah. And if you think about the people running through the town yelling, bring out your dead, like... Yeah. That was very much a thing. People would just walk through the city and with wheelbarrows with, like, carts, and, and yeah. I say uh-huh. wheelbarrows, carts, yeah. Yeah. And yell, you bring know, out your, bring out yeah, your bed. Uh, I just can't like that even okay, so even if it was the sixteen hundreds and it was a plague, because like we know that like many plagues happened all all the time throughout history. Mm-hmm. Like not as big as like Spanish flu or you know, bubonic plague, mm-hmm. but like, you know I, I just can't imagine like being sick and like knowing that you're probably gonna die and this like plague doctor guy just I, shows up in your house you're like, like having like fever hallucinations and i i just imagine that would be a trip like oh, yeah oh my god <laughs> oh yeah no it's crazy what a way to go mm, yeah but it seems because i found a painting i was looking at of one of the town criers yelling like bring out your dead bring out your dead and mm-hmm. he's not wearing you know, the plague doctor outfit or any sort of that semblance of that iconic yeah. mask. So huh. I really, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it originated here and was popularized in the 1600s, but like, it doesn't look like that was a common thing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it finds these heavy trafficked and populated areas and that's when it kind of starts to explode exponentially. And we've seen that in our own time, unfortunately. It heads south to Egypt. It goes left and right. Greece, Poland, Romania, Hungary, Austria. It just dominates. So if you're picturing this like a map, think kind of starting in the port cities and then just moving inland slash kind of like upwards into the right. By 1350, it's reached the north, like the northernmost areas, the Baltic countries, Scotland, Scandinavia, the the northern areas of England. And of course, it's going to hit the close confines and, like, highly concentrated populations the most. So if you're, you know, lower class and you have five people and your sister and your donkey all in one room, <laughs> yeah. um, you're, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't mean that, like, royalty and these prominent figures with big homes and more spread out people weren't hit. Because of proximity, there are nobles and entire families that just get wiped out like they're Mm -hmm. like some of the royal family gets hit too Mm -hmm. and i mean not to be gruesome but like this is unsanitary in so many ways because you didn't have enough 
graves for the bodies, like mass yeah. graves, mass yeah. burials. Even then, you can't keep up. Uh-huh. You just put the bodies out on the streets for yeah. hopefully someone comes to pick it up. Or I don't know if cremation is a thing or if you'd burn body. I, I feel yeah. like mass graves were the common mode of disposal. They definitely were because like mass cremation also comes with its set of problems. Because too. there's a religious aspect to that as well yeah. in a lot of places. Consecrated ground and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of people don't want to be because they want to be like have their physical body for mm-hmm. Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I think Roman Catholic or is Catholic the main religion? I want to say Catholic's the main religion at this time. Oh, yeah, because um, it's not the 1500s yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, hmm, the problem is if animals are spreading this disease and a lot of the animals are feral and you're leaving dead bodies out on the <laughs> streets, it's a food source. Yeah. So it just makes it worse. The hygiene gets worse. Everything just smells like rot and decay. The rivers are polluted. The like it's not drinkable. Mm-hmm. If you're if you have dead bodies floating in rivers, that whole river will be tainted and all the people who are drawing water from it for baths, for drinking, for anything are just you're yep. screwed. Yep. And there was one, there's that famous quote, the li- the living were scarcely sufficient to bury the dead. And you mm-hmm. just think about population-wise, yeah. half your family's dead, leaving half your family to yeah. bury them. And even then, like I said, it's it's household by household. So sometimes you're losing an entire house and it's up to the neighbors to just mm-hmm. drop the bodies. And mm-hmm. yeah. And this is like, we see different practices um religions all the stuff coming out of this as a reaction we the flagellants like who believe this is a scourge from god um Mm -hmm. are like walking through the streets whipping themselves and punishing themselves thinking that this is i mean it's a very macabre time for people it's very very like every day is just wow am i alive might not be tomorrow okay (laughs) um so in a couple of places, though, we start seeing like effects. The effects of this plague are awful, of course. However many people died, it's it's awful. But we start seeing like medically advised responses, and was it perfect? No, like not by a long shot, <laughs> yeah. not at all. But places like Venice organize ship inspections and restrictions on community spaces. Like you couldn't, like they'd have restrictions on bars and pubs and stuff that you couldn't gather too tightly. And it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. so they knew, like, and that's they why knew. when everyone complains about social distancing, I'm like, guys, y'all don't understand. You still have, you have TikTok, your phone, and yeah, sources like for fine. news outlets. Like these people had to go to pubs like their lives to were there yeah. to socialize to find out what's going on in the rest of the world mm-hmm. to get any news and they had to give that up for however long so don't complain guys Just yeah deal like yeah. we would have been out of the woods so much faster but anyway <laughs> um they burn down infected ships they do like anything they can among their what they consider to be medical practices but it still kills like 60 percent of the people in venice and this was never taught to me in school, but as always, there's going to be a scapegoat and someone to blame yep. for a plague. Yep. You want to guess who it was? <sighs> I don't know. It's probably racist. You're, you're, yeah. It's the Jews. Ah, of because course it is. of course y'all are going to be assholes yep. to the Jews. If it's not racist, it's anti-Semitic. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anti-Semitism flares in Europe because of this. They're, and 
I mean, it's not a new thing. I mean, Shakespeare was super anti-Semitic. Oh, like, yeah. People like, have always hated Jews, so. which is, like, so weird. Like I, just, I don't know. They've always been, like, the historical scapegoat. And yeah, they've well, just been there's hated a huge so history behind that. That yeah. I, I read a book. Oh, what is the book called? I'll find it, and I'll list it. But I read it when I was getting into, like, my genocide studies. And I was like, yeah. y'all really just decided out of nowhere yeah. that you're going to blame this one population throughout history for That's no so... freaking reason. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. It's very interesting, and it's a very interesting study of, like, human psychology mm-hmm. and sociology. and like Mob mentality. Mob mentality and, yeah. and like, needing a scapegoat and everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, oh, my God, it's so bad that it happened. Well, and it's, like, it's not even just, oh, we don't like the Jews. Go away. Like, mobs attack Jewish communities, and they're, like, burning them at the stake. Um there's a valentine's day massacre where two thousand jews are burnt alive yeah there's the one in the next spring when three thousand try to defend themselves against the christians and get Mm -hmm. slaughtered like yeah it's awful like and i don't know why they didn't teach us about this in history because it was a huge effect yeah um and they blame the jews partially just because they're an easy scapegoat throughout mm-hmm. history. They've been a scapegoat, and it's yeah. easy to turn around and just be like, oh, it's them again. But some of the Jewish communities didn't use the common wells. And it's, there's a correlation of, like, hygiene practices and stuff that they think may have allowed the Jews, the Jewish communities, to remain a little less affected by it, by this yeah. sickness. Mm-hmm. And so... The communities around them were like, how are you not getting sick? You're poisoning us. You're poisoning our water sources and our food. You're trying to kill us. And obviously, no. There's still yeah. Jewish people getting yeah. sick. And they just used it to blame them. Um, but there are areas in, like, Austria and Switzerland where people, like, go insane trying to attack the jews and everything and they end up all the jews end up fleeing to areas that promise them protection like like poland which is how we end up with a really big jewish population there that eventually come world war ii we still had um it's movements like this i mean the jewish example is a little bit of the extreme but it, it changes the black plague changes how religion is spread in a lot of areas and just religion in general because you see it influencing art but the roman catholic church has almost complete control over the concept of the salvation of the soul at this point like mm-hmm. yeah um but everyone's really really relying on this afterlife's concept at this point because if you don't yeah. believe in the afterlife at this point what are you holding on for like mm-hmm. it's so grim it's so mm-hmm. macabre you've probably lost at least half your family yeah. you're really hoping that there is some sort of afterlife and salvation but we see a little more variation too not just because communities of religion are moving place to place but because people are looking for something that makes sense and, yes. and it's yeah. the tragedy principle like yeah, like an answer. There are some people that will buckle down on their religion, and there, uh-huh. and there are some people who are like, I don't want to believe in a god that would do this. Yeah. And so we see a, a hike in like things like mysticism, that they're just looking for an explanation on why something so awful would happen. Yeah. And then we have the extremists, like the flagellants who were walking through the streets yeah. beating themselves, saying uh-huh. that this is penance for their sins. Uh-huh. Um, but culturally, not just religion, but scientifically, efforts to understand 
with a little more detail sickness um even without our modern germ theory they improve medical practices and and stuff they start to actually understand the circulatory system they you know if you look at like a lot of dutch paintings from this time period i think it's this time period are like really dark and kind of gruesome but when is that one painter born no that, so that's, that's 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 a little later enlightenment um, kind of era I that's guess. like late renaissance early scientific revolution okay. the like tip the classic like like uh operating um, operating table kind operating of operating table dutch yeah. like operating theater that's what it's called that's like dutch is. painting with like okay. all the guys with collars but yeah no it like definitely i think there's a history of that yeah yeah, yeah i couldn't remember when the dutch started painting <laughs> that um because so i know those like that very graphic example of them like dissecting a full yeah, body that, on the table. there's um there's some pretty yeah yeah graphic yeah is the right word <laughs> but i mean you've got no shortage of bodies to yeah. look yeah. at and to understand mm-hmm. And they start developing these, like, like Venice, kind of. You start developing public health measures and prevention methods, even if we aren't where COVID, you know, our current COVID yeah. restrictions and mm-hmm. understanding are so much better. Mm-hmm. But they're un- at least starting to realize, like, that it's a community, <clears throat> should be a community effort to stop the spread of disease. Yes, it. Yes, it should. <laughs> but because everyone's just trying not to die wars get put on a hold because a you don't have the men to do <laughs> yeah. it and b they're like hey we're not gonna like yeah we have lower your morale and kill even more of you yeah um so just put put all the wars on hold we'll not to mention if they brought all those people together like oh yeah the people they had left would die instantly oh yeah <laughs> so even with the silk road being such a lucrative thing there's a cutback in trade population fluctuations are not just from death but people leaving the infected areas so like big cities that you know, might have gone from like ten thousand to five thousand, go even lower because people are like, "Oh, this is a heavy hit area. Yeah. We want to leave." Um, so many lower class workers have died, especially in rural areas like the land that isn't being farmed. It changes the way that they pay their farmers, but the lower class in general sees a huge, not huge, probably more like a medium or slight hike in their wages, and it's not much. But suddenly, there's this tiny bit of flexibility in class structure. Interesting. When there's less people to do the work, they can charge more yeah. money for it. Um, and the feudal system was already taken a hit at this point. People were already kind of chilling on it. But with social structure changing, a lot of nobles and higher powers are kind of trying to put restrictions in place again, and eventually this just kind of leads to revolution like (laughs) it's it's a long time between this and like the french revolution or something you've got a couple hundred years but the the restrictions they're already trying to use to keep people in this class-based society are the origins of some pretty restrictive rules that eventually people rebel against so yeah but the plague shows up again prominently um 61 1361 to 63 69 to 71 Mm -hmm. 74 to 75 1390 and 1400 so it's a it's not quite decades at a time but like there's a there's a cyclical showing up and it's like we're seeing now with strains of covid like this isn't going anywhere we're not going to eradicate covid yeah it's it's like the flu you just oh yeah every year Uh you get your vaccine and you hope for the best you know, you hope that yeah. they vaccinated you for the right strain and you hope yeah. that it's not going to, yeah. I mean, a few years ago, I remember them saying we had the worst flu season in 
like decades yeah Mm -hmm. and i remember how freaked out everyone was because flu seems preventable it seems manageable you get it and you recover which a lot of people get it and recover from covid Mm -hmm. but you have to remember that it is a deadly thing for a lot of the population yeah um with death so prominent that intellectuals a lot of them have died off um and it people have this new outlook on life but we head into a new period of thought and enlightenment with where a lot of these great thinkers are dead and it leaves room <laughs> for new ones with new ideas That's a younger true. generation and a turnover interesting, of yeah. concepts so it's it's got quite the legacy i mean it's not an eradicated disease we think of it as something we don't have to worry about but it is still yeah. present no it's still here um I mean, and that's the way it is with a lot of things. Rabies, we don't have a cure for. I mean, if you get bitten by something with rabies, you can stop it before it gets to the heart. But after, is it the heart or the brainstem? Mm, Maybe it's the brain. I think it's the Um, brain. If you can get to it in time based on how far, like, the infection site is from your brain and stuff, um, Mm -hmm. you can stop rabies. Um, We cured polio in, I think, 53 um, but these are all things yeah. that, like, you mm-hmm. have to take those measures. You have to – I mean, your vaccine is a kid. Your vaccine's growing up. Yeah. That's why universities require uh-huh. them. Yeah. Which – okay, this is so funny because I am not and neither is, like, my family. We are not anti-vaxxers at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I've gotten every vaccine I'm supposed to be getting, but I've never, not even once, gotten a flu shot. Really? Yeah. That's... Because my mom is like, it protects you from the strain from the year before, so we don't need to get it. And I'm like, okay. I think sometimes they actually protect against the strain they assume is going to be the strong, the dominant yeah. that year. I mean, I don't know how that works. I'm not a scientist, but um, well, my... I've never gotten the flu, and neither has anyone else in my family. It's nasty. My mom yeah. used to work in a pediatrics office, so it was easier yeah. for her to get us well, my in mom and just has... take us to work. Yeah, well, my mom has... Um... Like, she's always worked with kids, too. Like, Mm -hmm. she's just... We've just never got... I think my brother got it once. And then I had to take this, like, really nasty... I still remember the taste of it, but this, like, preventative medicine. Yeah. Um, But that's the most... Which is so... I don't know. It's just a weird... Yeah. weird thing and i've well, like never gotten a flu shot <laughs> and i understand people's like hesitations when it comes to vaccinations yeah. i do but yeah. a lot of that i mean the autism thing has been completely debunked the oh, man yeah. who wrote that has uh-huh. been like disbarred and had uh-huh. his license removed uh-huh. um and i mean i i got johnson and johnson i knew the risks Pfizer. going in yeah i was aware that it was a like 0.00 whatever more risky than any of the others but i I made that informed risk. I take yeah. medicine on the daily that is more likely like, to clot me. And it's a standard medication that mm-hmm. is given to millions of women around the world. And yep. it's more deadly than, uh-huh. the Fi- than the Johnson & Johnson. So it's it's all kind of about perspective. And mm-hmm. I just understand that feeling bad for a day for me when my body can fight off a vaccination side effects, like yeah. that's more important than me going home and accidentally getting my mother or grandmother sick. Oh, exactly. Who are both, and especially you know, with feeling bad from the vaccine, you know it's from the vaccine. Yeah. And there is, like, a certain peace of mind of, this is just from the vaccine. I'm mm-hmm. not really – like, I'm feeling bad, but I'm not sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I joked with my grandma about that, and she was – I was like, you're getting it, right? Just, you know. Um, And she was like – at first I was nervous, but then I realized she, she remembers lining up for her polio vaccine as a yeah. kid about uh-huh. how, like, it was terrifying because she went to school and, like – like someone from her school like 
you know, had the lasting damage in their body from polio and I think walked with the cane or a limp or something like that. And I mean, the media had popularized the iron lung pictures and everyone was Mm -hmm. so scared. And she remembers the polio vaccine came out. Her mama lined her up in McAllen High in the, in her town, just stood in line and was like, you, you are all getting the vaccine. Yeah. You're, you're getting this. Mm -hmm. And I know it's scary that like, we don't, you know, the vaccines only had a year for trials and stuff like that. But yeah. I'm not and like, hesitating. I mean, it's it, it. They didn't. They didn't because they were working on vaccines for like SARS viruses right. for a long time. They so just we had have to a modify safe foundation. It. Yeah, yeah. They just had to modify it for the specific like this COVID-19 is not from strand. scratch. Yeah, exactly. Which a lot of people like make it like it is, and it's like no, it's right. not. It's, it's like not. yeah, it was kind of rushed, but it was a pandemic, so of course it we're was. We're allowed like, to rush. Yeah. Well, that and like. The technology we have allows us to develop these things so much faster. Oh, yeah. Like, uh-huh. the speed at which we can learn and improve is incredible. Yeah, so, especially when the whole globe is, like, like dying. oriented towards one goal. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> when you can work together to stop a global pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Um, And this one, I mean, if you look at it, it was global according to their current conceptions of global yeah like yeah i mean it did hit russia it hit yeah the asian countries too it was just uh-huh. so bad in europe because mm-hmm. they're so tightly packed and a lot of other reasons and yeah but like i don't i don't think it ever hit the americas like during it didn't hit well there was like no contact i mean yeah you didn't have contact yeah. so the half the world was like fine yeah they're um, just living they're vibing yeah they were like okay <laughs> Um, but this, to their, to their concept of a world, this was a worldwide scale. And, and like you said, the population would be so much bigger if they hadn't lost half of Europe during yeah. this. Um, Oof. I mean, the current take that I was taught is that a third of Europe po- population was That's killed. That's what I was always taught That's too. what I was kind of taught. But like we talk about historiography, you know, standards change. This, what, what high schools teach are going to change. Yeah. Um, one or two have suggested 50% of Europe just died. Um, I mean, regardless, a mm-hmm. third to 50%, like a significant chunk of Europe yeah. died. Yeah. Like half the people you know would be dead. Just yeah. think of it like that. And yeah. I'm assuming that it's young, it's kind of like COVID, how younger people are a little more safe. Um, yeah. And that's how diseases usually go. Yeah. Just because bodies and metabolism. And... So like your grandmother, your great grandmother, everyone living yeah. with you is it's just like the population yeah. is young again. And all of a sudden all these people are like, oh, I'm 12 years old. I am now a mother to three children because my siblings yeah. are orphans. Like, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And it um, creates like a weird like population pyramid and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Whether you say a third or 50%, the approximations that I saw on the low end were 25 million, which would be like the entirety of North Korea or Australia dying. Yeah. Um, some say 50 million on the higher end, which would mean the entirety of like Spain or Colombia dying. Yeah. Um, the population numbers in Europe didn't even out again, like to where it was before until the 1500s. Wow. And even then, that's not accounting for where we will never catch up to where we would be because yeah. population growth is often, well, not often, sometimes exponential. Like if you look at population pyramids, it's mm-hmm. it's weird, but yeah. It, it, yeah, it has a lot to do with like resources and how many mm-hmm. people and like everything. Yeah. And cultural differences yeah. where like uh-huh. the family, you stay together. I'm, 
Eastern countries are big yeah. on that. Like you, you uh-huh. take care of the grandparents and stuff in the home in yeah. America, we're more likely to require healthcare workers to help take care of them, which is creating a huge issue yeah. now that our, our pyramid is becoming inverted slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it returns cyclically in decades and just short spurs again. The last huge sweep through most of the Europe, most of Europe was in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. There's a, the plague of Marseille. I didn't know about this in France in the early 18th century, hmm. which is, um, like the last big hit anywhere that they seem to really talk about. It's unclear why it stopped coming in such hard hits. I don't know if yeah. immunity was built up, if maybe, maybe hygiene yeah. practices were just good enough with the rat er- er- eradicating small maybe. animals and domesticating yeah. them and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, there's probably a million factors in there, mm-hmm. but it continues to show up in cultural references again and again, especially with this new spark in COVID. People are you know reading up on it teaching it they're just interested in it now um it's suddenly a lot more relevant exactly Mm -hmm. so i mean it exists today we see it in popular culture and understanding history and it can really help us where we are now so yeah do do your research on plagues but don't freak yourself out and make (laughs) yourself think that you have covid just yeah yeah uh well that was really good cat thank you thank you telling us about the bubonic plague i'm glad to do it okay well i guess that means it's my turn i'm ready with the spanish flu something much more recent and much more well documented Mm. um yeah just for some context the spanish flu was um mainly in 1918 and 1919 um so the world at that time world war one happened from 1914 to 1918 the world population was approximately 1.8 billion people um, Whoa. Yeah, also... I just realized how much we've literally exponentially grown since it's then. Wow. Whack. Uh, it's kind of alarming. Industrial revolution, anyone? <laughs> and... Child uh, labor laws. Ooh. <laughs> uh, women in Britain are granted the right to vote in 1918, and the suffrage movement as a whole is happening. Tsar Nicholas and his family are assassinated in Russia, ending Tsarist Russia. Um, wow, that's a big year. Yeah. Uh, Ray Charles and Betty Ford... And Rita Hayworth are all born in 1918. Ray Charles, really? Yeah. Um, that's I was surprised by that. But that one, I think it, it's like saying Martin Luther and Anne Frank were born in the same year, and you're yeah. like, wait, you're like, what? what? Or the Queen and Marilyn Monroe. It's just you're, yeah. you place them in time differently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and just some background on, like, how flu seasons work. So every year, uh, flu season runs from late fall into spring. Um Around 200 Americans are hospitalized hospitalized from flu-related illnesses, um, and that's about on average every year. And in the last 30 years, um, yearly, we've had anywhere from 3,000 to 49,000 flu-related deaths in America. Um, And that reminds me, a lot of the numbers that I'm going to be using are American-based, and I promise it's not because I'm, like, just thinking about America. It's Mm -hmm. just, like... The sources just all talked about America only for some reason. Yeah. And I only found, like, a few that talked about death in other parts. Of the well, world. also, like, when you're searching, like, on search engines and stuff, yeah. it does take your location into account. It so. gives you American results. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, I was using, like, Nat Geo and, like, a biography, like, American company. Right. So, you know, again, you have to consider your sources. Yeah. <laughs> so, where it came from, no one knows. Um... 
early cases were reported in Asia, Western, and Eastern Europe, like around the same time. So no one really knows where hmm. it started. Um, we do have kind of an idea, and we actually think it could be Kansas. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> All these racist people who I are know. blaming... Sp- are you kidding? Yep. It was Kansas. It, yeah. Kansas. So, because of the war, which we'll see a lot, the virus was spread, like, incredibly fast. Right. Um, so, people have been able to kind of trace back, and they think the actual, like, patient zero might be from a farm in Kansas, like a farmhand who got sick, went, like, got drafted went to an army base spread it in the army base then all of those soldiers took it over to europe where it mutated and then this like big mutated version of this virus came back to america and spread all over the world (laughs) i can't i feel so bad laughing about anything because this was a relatively recent yeah pandemic and i can't laugh about it but also I mean, if, I, if we were talking about the bubonic plague, I'd be laughing because it's yeah, so far removed uh, in history. It's, it's but this funny. is kind of, that's kind of yeah ironic for America's superiority complex. <laughs> I know, I know. And, like, we wouldn't really even notice because, like, at the time, the first form of this pl- or this uh, virus was, like, pretty mild. Like, it was, it was basically, yeah. like, a bad flu. It was, um, you were sick for, uh, like, seven to nine days. Had Most the people recovered, like... It was, you were sick, mm-hmm. but it wasn't deadly. Yeah. Um, people did die, but it wasn't deadly. Yeah. You know? Um, and so a lot of doctors at first, like, weren't really paying attention to it. But this one guy in Kansas kind of noticed, like, wait, a lot of people are getting sick. And this is weird. Like, this is more than normal this flu season. Normal. normal. Flu. Yeah. So he is the only reason that we kind of, like, know maybe it started in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our best bet as of right now. So, like I said, the first cases, um, so this first strain of the virus was reported mainly among World War One soldiers, uh, which was a big reason why it spread so much, because when you're, you know, uh, in war... Trenches are not sanitary, and, we're in the trenches, and they're tight-packed. And people are flying all over the world to go fight in battles. Also, there's a lot of bodily fluids that get exchanged yeah. during wars. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you're going, you're going to spread this disease. You're coughing, you're bleeding, you're dying on each other. So, like I said, this first strain wasn't too bad. It mainly spread throughout Western Europe from March to July. Western Europe and America. And, um, yeah, uh, from March to July. But uh, (laughs) by July, so late summer, early fall, it began to mutate. And that's where we get the second wave. of this virus, which is the really deadly form of this virus. Uh, so the second wave appeared late summer of 1918, and by the fall, it had cemented itself as a dangerous pandemic. It took months. People were dying within 48 hours. Oh, my god! People gosh. were dying within 12 hours. Whoa. Yeah. You would get this, and you would die. So this is bubonic plague levels. Yes. Like, like... It was insane. Um, this was, no, like, no joke. People, October of 1918 is the deadliest month America has ever had. Whoa. Yes. 200,000 people died. Holy. Sh- in one month in America. 
Yeah. What's our total death toll from COVID right now in America? I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I, I have it in my notes. It's oh, okay. um, I'll let you 584 it. or 587, something like that. I have it written down. Okay. Um, Sorry, I'm making... I'm, yeah, no. It's, I, like I said, like it's it's very relevant, so it's hard to like not want to talk right. about, you know, relating it. Yeah, yeah, and like go off on tangents of like what we're currently experiencing. Yeah. Um, so the virus would... The reason why it was so dangerous is because the virus would cause the lungs of the infected to fill up with like fluid and it would basically suffocate them (sighs) yeah so it was very effective and the really interesting thing about this second wave is that it affected of course the elderly they were definitely the most affected population but when you look at the charts of this there's this like huge spike of 20 to 40 year olds dying from this and that were infected which like normally in pandemics 20 to 40 is like you're pretty relatively good off. Yeah. And people think it's just because it was the soldiers who were spreading this. So Mm -hmm. they associated with themselves and they were associated with like family members and everything who Mm -hmm. were around their age. So we had a huge spike of 20 to 40 year olds being infected with this because they were the ones who were spreading it. Um, And so it did have a third wave that would appear in the winter of 1918. And then by the spring of 1919, this disease had ran its course and it wasn't really a problem anymore. It kind of just solved itself. Did it leave lasting? Like, do you know if there were lasting effects, like how COVID some people get over it, but then like can't breathe for months afterwards or can't get Um, like capacity back in their lungs? I don't know anything about that. Um, okay. I, was I didn't curious. see anything about that. Because I, I mean, you don't really hear about Spanish flu anymore. Yeah. And... Well, that's the... Th- okay, I'll get to it. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so fascinating why we don't talk about this. And it has a lot to do with the war. Um, but yeah, so this is considered the most deadly natural disaster in modern history. Uh, medicine, as we know at the time, was not the best. It is much better than it was during the mm. bubonic plague. <laughs> but they had an understanding of germs. They knew what bacteria was. Mm -hmm. They had microscopes. They could see bacteria. Mm -hmm. However, they knew there was something smaller than bacteria because when they filtered out all of the bacteria from like a sample and then like gave it to like, tried to get someone sick with it, that person would still get sick. So they had an understanding that there was something smaller that was infectious, smaller than bacteria because they could see bacteria with just like a normal standard Mm -hmm. microscope. But they couldn't see it without, like, they couldn't see viruses without advanced technology. So they had this understanding that there was something smaller than bacteria that was infecting people, but they didn't quite know what it was. Uh, So their germ theory was a thing. And vaccines, apparently the first one, which I looked up and I don't know this, the first one um, can be dated back as early to, as the 1780s. Whoa. Yeah, which is way earlier than I thought. Yeah. Um, but the first flu vaccine was not developed until the 1940s. So they had like Whoa. no real way of treating this. Um, was the first vaccine kind of like Monsieur Pasteur and everything with... Was what? Like, was that like the one developed by like Monsieur Pasteur and everything? too yeah the guy who like louis pa- no yeah the was pa- that him no I, no this was, was another guy yeah okay. louis pasteur did was it rabies and mm, e. Coli what did he and do stuff? no he, he did he general general germ theory germ he was something with germs okay yeah i forget which one but okay. yeah that's we'll talk about that i don't eventually. even know what time period it is, <laughs> yeah. but that just sounds i think 1700 sounds so early so early i was expecting i don't know i was expecting much I mean, later i think that's when cell theory kind of yeah we're it's, not it's medical guys this yeah, is <laughs> we are not medical historians um so yeah 
So they didn't really understand what viruses were. Like I said, they under they knew there was something smaller than bacteria, but they weren't able to see it under a microscope. So they just kind of, they didn't know it was something that was infecting and they knew it was some sort of organism or like not organism, but like cellular structure thing. Just mm-hmm. like bacteria is just smaller and they didn't fully understand it. Another, <laughs> another reason, there's like a lot of reasons why it spread so quickly. The war was like the main one. Mm-hmm. But another reason why it spread so quickly is because it had super weird side effects and it was really hard to diagnose. Kind of similar to COVID, how the side effects can be all over the place depending on, you know, who you were. But some of the most common side effects um, were your skin would turn blue because your your blood circulation would uh, decrease so much that Mm. your extremities would basically not have blood flow and they would start to turn blue don't tell me that when i'm experiencing <laughs> i don't think you have the spanish luke <laughs> i don't either i think we'd know by now if i had yeah. the spanish flu. yeah um so yeah and, and there was also a lot of like weird blood related things like if you're grossed out by blood you might not want to listen to this but people would bleed out of their ears and apparently hmm. nurses at the time have like done oral history since then and they said that you had to like <laughs> you had to be on your guard at all times because randomly patients would just squirt blood out of their like mouth no. and nose. Yeah. No. So like you just had to dodge it. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was rough. <laughs> that sounds not great. Yeah. And in addition, like world war one did extreme damage to the global healthcare infrastructure. Obviously. Because like, for the war, like, most of the able-bodied physicians would, like, go over to Europe and help, like, the war cause and be, like, nurses and stuff for the war. And so they weren't, like, in the countries where the pandemic was happening. <laughs> and wow. it, So, like, this is just making things worse and, like, treatment worse. And so, like, hospitals were overrun. Uh, schools, large buildings, and even private homes were used as make makeshift treatment centers. And, like, med students were, like, put on call to, like, help treat things. And, yeah, so, like, soldiers in close quarters spread it, but, like, and they returned home, so they spread it. But the war was also elemental because governments and media didn't want to talk about the fact that there was a literal pandemic happening. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the government didn't want to spread the information about their population getting infected because they were like, our enemies are going to see it and they're going to think we're weak. And then they're going to, like, beat us. And then the media was like, yeah, I'd rather talk about the war. So, like, just awareness wasn't that high. And I feel like a war, when you're looking at morale, war is awful for morale. But it can also be really good for morale, depending on how you spin. And Mm -hmm. in a nationalist America, I think it's easier. Because it wasn't on our turf. So it's not like you're dealing with Uh the civilian destruction that Europe is. Mm -hmm. So you can just be like, ah, yes, our good old boys in the front line. They're taking the world by storm. Instead of Uh like, pandemic slams America. No one is safe. Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting. But when we'll get into like masking during the Spanish flu. Um, but it, that definitely, that same like narrative and like nationalism Mm -hmm. affects masking. Um, so it's really interesting, but uh, this kind of governments being unwilling to talk about it and media also being unwilling to talk about it affects the naming of this virus being the Spanish flu. And I have a whole section about that. So we'll definitely talk about that later. So soldiers also coming home meant liberty parades, um, not quite victory parades because the war wasn't over until November. 
But, like, soldiers were starting to come home. I, they, it was winding down. They knew it was going to end soon. And um, most cities called off their liberty parades, um, except for a few notable suggestions uh, or exceptions, one of them being Philadelphia. And the health commissioner in Philadelphia was like, no, we're going to have this parade. 200,000 people attended this parade. Which then subsequently caused Philadelphia to be the single hardest hit city by the Spanish flu in America. America, take notes. So this is why we don't have mass public events during a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) The hypocrisy. (laughs) Communities impose quarantines, they shut down public places, and some even... Pose, uh, impose mask mandates to try to combat the disease and i'll get into the mask mandates so you guys later. mask mandates aren't new um yeah and so apparently in new york city they had a real problem with people spitting in the streets and a lot of their campaign around like trying to stop the disease from spreading in new york was centered around people spitting in the streets and one of the things that would happen there apparently was boy scout troops if they saw someone spit in the streets they would hand out little red cards that said you were in violation of the sanitary code i'm trying to think of like some hardened like 50 year old after a hard day's work like, in a factory like, hawking a loony. Hawking a loony, yeah. like, tobacco or something and yeah. this child just being like sir you can't do and that his little vest <laughs> Like, what's his name from Up? Oh, yes! <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. And one thing that really did not help was... So, aspirin had, like, recently been invented, right? Um, And they, like, didn't fully understand how it worked. So, doctors, in order to try to treat at least some of the symptoms, if not... If they can't keep the cause, they'll mm. at least help with the symptoms. Oh, no. They recommended that people took up to 30 milligrams of aspirin <gasps> a day, a dose that we now know is ex- incredibly toxic. <laughs> oh, no. So this was, like, for a lot of the deaths. In fact, some historians even say that, like, it potentially that all those deaths in October could be attributed to, like, the fact that <laughs> aspirin, like, is poisoning these people. So at least if it's not killing them, it's weakening the body to make the disease worse. So, like... Well, I mean, it's like what we talked about with, like, uh, the Tsar's son, Nikolai. Like, yeah. they think that maybe they just got lucky when Rasputin told the doctors not to fix him because that yeah. prevented them from giving him aspirin, which would have uh-huh. thinned his blood even more and made him bleed out in a hemorrhage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a good thing we understand a little bit more about aspirin. I mean, opiates now. were still for sale at this time, too, <laughs> yeah. so our medical knowledge is oh, better. Man. <laughs> So apparently during, this is sad, but people were so concerned with getting sick that they would basically let their neighbors die of dehydration because they were unwilling to like go over and help them and like give them water and stuff. Oh my God. Um, Oh no. Yeah. And so like I said, October of 1918, around 200,000 Americans died, which is still the deadliest month in American history. Um, So as the disease kind of runs its course, uh, worldwide we see around 500 million people get infected out of the 1.8 billion people. So that's 30% of the population get infected with this oh disease. God. Yeah. 675,000 Americans died and around 28% of the US population of 105 million got infected. I didn't do that math. I just put yeah. the stats there. Um, anywhere from estimates range from 20 to 50 million people worldwide, um, an estimated two to three million in Europe 12 to 17 in India and Japan reported that 23 million of people of his population were infected with around 200,000 dead. Um, 
most places you can look up um, a more broken down list, but most places had um, a range of death toll from around a thousands, thousands to hundreds of thousands, um, with the most severe being in the millions, like with India. Mm-hmm. Uh, this virus caused life expectancy in the U.S. to plummet by 12 years. Whoa! In one year, the life Whoa. expectancy plummeted by 12 years. Yeah. So, Jeez. like, life expectancy is measured by the average of, like, how when, when people die yeah. in a country. So many young people were dying from this that it dropped by 12 years I doubt, in just one I year. Mean, I mean, it can't be that bad for COVID because it's yeah. the younger generation, in yeah. theory, is uh-huh. safe. Or... Yeah, so that just really highlights, like, it was these 20 to 40-year-olds that were dying. Of course, old people were dying more. Right. But it that age that so many, like, people think is, like immune well i'm sure there were a lot of young people doing what a lot of young people are doing now yeah. where they're just disregarding mask mandates and uh-huh. going to philadelphia parades and... yeah um so actually more u.s soldiers not population but u.s soldiers died from the spanish flu than they did in world war one um and around 30 percent of soldier soldiers total became ill uh this <laughs> it's really interesting because i listened to a podcast to kind of get a good feel for like how this is but they this uh, this podcast it was a how stuff works podcast and it was published in january of 2019 so a year before covid happened Mm -hmm. and they said and you can look you can find a lot of articles from before covid where a lot of they'll always say virologists say this could happen again but worse but possibly worse because of our connectivity but we could handle it better because of our advances in modern medicine which people all of paid that attention is like, to modern medicine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of that is pretty accurate because it's happening again now. Yeah. The numbers are kind of eerily similar to That's the That's weird flu. that they talked about that. Yeah, it is. And I was like, oh, y'all are so naive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, young me from two years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. And here it is. So, to date, um, the U.S. has had 582,000 COVID deaths, less than 100,000 away from the total American deaths of the Spanish flu. Um, the Spanish flu happened much faster in a much concentra- more concentrated area, but it still has only really been just over a year. Right. And that's about the lifespan of the Spanish flu pandemic. So people say that COVID isn't a big deal, but clearly the it numbers is. are like very similar. Um, so interestingly enough, the uh, so the Spanish flu is a strain of the H1N1 uh, influenza. Really? Virus, yeah. So, and that H1N1 apparently was extinct in humans by the 50s. Um, It just ate through the population so fast when it would show up that it just burned itself out eventually. Um, And, like, now there was a scientist, I was listening, and there was a scientist in, like, the 50s and then again in the 90s or something like that. But he actually went and he dug up a body a Native American woman's body got a sample from an H1N1. She died from H1N1 flu, got a sample, and then he recreated the virus, the human form of the H1N1. I'm sorry. Which, what like, the f- why would you do that? Like, I get researching it, but to recreate. That's literally Jurassic Park. Like, we like, know Why better. do we do this? Why do people, like, insist on recreating? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. Um, I really don't. Other than pride, I guess that would be the only way 
So, as you would expect, um, this many people dying at once kind of left society, like, broken down. There weren't people there to do jobs. We had the same issues that we saw in the bubonic plague and some of the same issues we're seeing now. There weren't enough room in graveyards. There weren't people to dig the graves. There wasn't people to, like, operate the grocery stores or, Mm -hmm. like, drive the trains or do, like stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that society takes to and they're talking about that now that they I know. thought they'd create like a mil or have a million yeah. more people in the last month in jobs uh-huh. and they're not and a lot of people are like oh they're being lazy and i'm like no people no. want to go back to work but the whole work system is restructuring yeah and not to mention like so for capitalism idle time is the most dangerous thing mm-hmm. that workers under capitalism two capitalists can have Because with idle time, workers are able to actually sit back and think, wow, this whole system is fucked and it's working against me. And with the pandemic and everyone being forced to stay at home, it's finally starting to highlight some of the absolute BS we've been dealing with for decades now. Mm -hmm. And so people don't want to go back to work because they're going to be paid $7.50 to risk their lives. Yeah. Well, I was at a McDonald's checkout. I was like, chatting with my friend from Canada yesterday, and he was like, "Yeah, he was yeah. telling me like how much he gets a month because he the the mall he worked at is closed." Yeah, and he was telling me how much he makes a month, and I was like, "That's what I, that's the entire stimulus that we got for a year." Mm-hmm. And if I was still, if I wasn't in school right now, and I'm very lucky to say that working up in collections, I only have exposure to the same four people every day. Yeah. And we all wear masks. Uh-huh. We're all social distanced. We have separate desks, separate spaces. And I think all of y'all are vaccinated by now. Yep. Yeah. I was, yeah. We're all uh-huh. vaccinated now. And so, like, we're very lucky. He hasn't been able to get the vaccination yet as of recording. He should be able in the next week or so. But, like, yeah. the fact is that... If I was still working where I was a year ago before I had come back to school and because I graduated that semester early, I would be working in a public service thing right now with a demographic yeah. of people who won't wear a mask and I would probably yep. quit yeah. because I, it's not, you a, don't, a it's risk. not worth it. Yeah. Like, and people are saying, oh, unemployment's high. It's like, yeah, but like when unemployment is willing to, when the government is willing to pay civilians more than, than the minimum wage because they know that the minimum wage it's can't not support survival. them. Yeah. Like, there's something glaringly wrong. Well, I worked, I told you, I worked six days a week for those months that yeah. I was, and sometimes uh-huh. I even came on a, in on the seventh day. Yeah. I still made less than I would have if I had taken an unemployment. Yeah. And, like, that is wrong. Yeah. Like, it, that is not I how my that ass should off, be. And I still couldn't. And I don't mean it's wrong that unemployment should be lower. I mean it's wrong that pay, wages yeah. should be higher. Yeah. Because this is unlivable. It's <laughs> like, ridiculous. Like, living in Texas. Well, yeah. Go, going to the grocery store with my... When like, you think like about yesterday it, yesterday was awful. Like I, I saw know. so many people without masks, and I was like, "Yeah, you." It takes you five seconds. I know five it's not that big a of a deal, and like put it on and forget about it. Like yeah. get over you it. Wear a you're bra, not a child. You don't realize you're wearing that anymore. You're just used to it. Get used to it yeah. and save people's lives. Yeah. So mad. Uh, it, and it's so frustrating. And well, what you said about the bubonic plague, about how like labor shortages caused like wages to increase. Uh huh. I really hope we see something like that happen now because these, you know, and it's mainly like service industry jobs. Mm -hmm. I think they're being realized, they're being hit with the realization we are able to exploit workers. Yeah. The way we have there's There's been a lot of like walkouts I've seen on social media. Yeah, like uh, McDonald's is starting uh, like a lot of um, 
workers from McDonald's are starting a strike on May 19th. Chipotle is some of their employees. Oh, really? I, I heard a couple of stores doing it. And it's just one of those things where you're like looking at it in hindsight and you're like, y'all really... You really think that you can exploit people like this and it's yeah not you just thought you could spare. get away with it for forever yeah like <laughs> well and already like i don't know if it was passed or if it's a proposed bill or what but biden i want to say passed some sort of legislation legislation it might still need to pass somewhere else that like community colleges will be free and i was like do you know how much that's going to do for yeah. trade schools for mm-hmm. people who will attend community college and stop putting themselves into a lifetime of debt for an education like yeah well, some people pointed out too, which I thought is incredibly interesting, that the number of minimum wage workers in America is very similar to the number of death in America, not the death number from COVID in America. R- really? Which is like those frontline workers. Like, whoa. Oh, shit. And it's like, people are like, you killed off your fucking workforce. And you expect people to be there. Well, in low income people who couldn't yeah. get health care to had to work. Or, yeah, had to work, couldn't get good health care, couldn't yeah. get the health care to help them survive. This uh, is going to restructure society. Uh, and it's so it's going to be so fascinating to be like, when we're like 50 or 60 yeah. and people come to us saying like, you saw the restructuring of minimum wage of society towards something that would benefit. I really hope that that's I really the hope that is. And I hope that we get to look back on it in hindsight and see yeah. all of this. I just think there's such an opportunity here. Yeah that we haven't had in so long Mm -hmm. like the working class has not had i'm so so sorry to everyone who's lost someone i mean or been sick and like we're right there with you and i'm it's not a good thing yeah we're not saying it's a good thing but to see society change yeah and to be able to like so interesting yeah and to look back and see after effects of the bubonic plague yeah and as historians and be able to watch it in real time is so i mean covid yeah, like like you said the seeing, like, no, like, no, 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 I no, I did oh. because they're seeing the after effects oh. of the bubonic plague oh, yeah. and then seeing the after effects of what the world could look like gotcha. after COVID. It's so we're gonna start seeing revolutions, guys. I, it's just so <laughs> well, I don't want to say faster. exciting because it's not it, it's not a good thing, and exciting implies a good thing, right? But it's really anticipatory. It's it's just really thrilling interesting like yeah you know exciting in not a positive way well and with to see the world we have go through such a change i mean i'll talk about the printing press next week and the mass communication we have now things could change so much faster now like we can see what took hundreds of years for post um for post bubonic plague to show up it could take us a matter of months Oh yeah. I mean, uh, uh, anyway. History. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, still off tangent, guys. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so apparently, World War Woodrow Wilson even contracted the flu and was apparently infected with it during, um, I believe it was the Paris Convention in 1919 when they were settling <laughs> really? stuff after the war. And apparently, like fell over and like from because to be because he was sick. And I was like, who let this man in this who? room with like yeah. all these other like major government officials? I doubt they were like, socially distant. We're gonna talk like... about bio warfare. Like he could have wiped out <laughs> everyone in that room. Like oh my god. Probably wanted to wipe out everyone in that room. <laughs> right. Um, so this is where I get into the particularly relevant stuff, the stuff about masks. And I wanted to make sure I put this in here because, uh, again, we're living through this and this is why history is relevant. Um, and how, you know, how we can look back and be like, ah, I relate to that. Mm -hmm. So as I said earlier, apparently spit and saliva, um, (laughs) people are just uh, more lax with where they put their spit and saliva. (laughs) Like people... (laughs) 
would like like spit in the streets, which like okay, they still do, but I think this was like really a problem considering how much it was mentioned. Yeah. And they would also like sneeze in each other's faces, so I guess they hadn't had like the elbow thing yet. <laughs> like <laughs> they would just like sneeze and just let it be in the open. Like Of course. So <laughs> A lot of cities beginning began to like discourage these practices. New York um, explicitly banned spitting in the streets, and as I said, the Boy Scouts, the Boy Scout troop story before, and um, apparently New York even warned people to kiss people through handkerchief, like handkerchiefs. So like, oh, ew. Yeah. Wait. Like, <laughs> At first, it was that's cute, not going to stop a it. virus, especially if you get it all damp. <laughs> they were trying, I guess. That just reminds me because like one time I saw this article. It was like during like i don't know the first few months of covid it was like if you're gonna have sex like don't kiss yeah oh yeah, yeah. No, they were releasing like pamphlets on yeah. like don't have face to face like don't position yourself yeah, you have to do to the face. other position <laughs> i was like oh my god man this is yeah, so fascinating like... as a sex historian you should be taking notes honey oh my no it's incredibly fascinating which is why i included that kiss through handkerchiefs thing because i was like wait we've seen the same thing we have yeah so Masks were a thing. Uh, these were mainly makeshift uh, cloth masks. Um, we definitely didn't have anything near the N95. Mm-hmm. Mask mandates were mainly issued in Western cities. San Francisco was the one that we know mo- most about that had a mask mandate. Um, but there were also mandates in Denver, Phoenix, and Seattle. Uh, San Francisco issued PSAs that called non-mask wearers uh, dangerous slackers in reference to the term slacker that had been popularized during the war, which is basically like someone not helping the war effort. And this was a war effort thing because people, they marketed it as wear a mask to protect our soldiers. So it fed into that whole nationalist nationalist thing. And now it's reversed. Now a nationalist search. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because once the war was over, people were like, oh, we don't need to wear masks anymore. It's like, you probably should still wear a mask. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm getting my seasonal cough. So As we talk about. Yeah. As we talk about a whole episode (laughs) over pandemics. Oh, my God. I'm sitting not quite six feet away. I promise. My cord is not It happens every year. It does. I don't worry about Kaylee. Yeah. It just sounds really bad. It does. It just sounds like she's got tuberculosis really every does. year. It really does. I blame it on the pneumonia I had when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so masks were homemade and they were handed out by government health organizations such as Red Cross. Uh, for the most part, people seem to be receptive. Re- records show that when Red Cross, Red Cross would <laughs> hand out the masks, um, like they would be gone within a day. I think one day they had 5,000 masks to give out Whoa. and they were gone by noon. So like people were interested in wearing well, masks. Like, talking, like people made masks now and I'm sure that yeah. all those ladies making things for the war effort were oh, like... Oh yeah. And like newspapers printed instructions on how to make your own masks. Um, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> the masks were promoted in several different ways. As I said, uh, you had to protect the troop for the wars, but after the war ended, mask mandates lost their urgency. People still wore them, but they... Not everyone was as invested. Mm. Another way they were promoted was through magazines and newspapers, and they would run ads about women wearing their masks stylishly. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, people are doing that now, but, like, the fringed ones, the bedazzled. Yeah. It, no, it, it, it's so interesting to see how, like, humans have always been humans. I just said um, bedazzled. Ugh. It's not 2000. 
I mean, to be fair, there are some bedazzled masks. There are, there That's are. just what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the term for crystalling your masks, but yeah. I think it's still bedazzling. Okay, I'll good. Say, I'll say it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, the problem with this was that mask mandates did not specify the kind of material that they had to be made out of. Mm. They were worried that if they specified the kind of material, that people would be less inclined to wear them, which means that these... <laughs> That these magazines were, like, running ads about women wearing, like, lace masks. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I still see that. And it's like, yeah, people still wear them because they're like, I'm wearing a mask. And it's like, ma'am, that's just a hole. Like, that is not a mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, like, real surgeons' masks, like, even if they have the medical grade ones, like, handed out by the Red Cross... They were still made out of gauze. Oh, no. <laughs> it was not effective. <laughs> and then people would do stuff like poke holes in their masks to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so, like, they were trying, but they just really did not understand. They did not understand the assignment. <laughs> so, like, despite all this flexibility, people still complained. Um, people called them hot and stuffy. They formed anti-masks leagues, which had meetings with over public meetings with over two thousand employees. Great for or employees attendees. I'm sorry, did you what? say a uh, political rally? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't want to mention that later earlier, so I'm just saying opposite. It's opposite day. What? Okay, whatever. Mm. <laughs> they <laughs> there was kind of all the same complaints that people have about masks today. People complained about them being a violation of their civil liberties and stuff like that about how they're so- like they're suffocating, they're hot, and they're stuffy. Women just came out of wearing corsets in this. Well, some of them are still wearing corsets in this. You're like, stop complaining about Also, at the same time, when you can wear literal gauze on your face, and you're like, it's too hot. It's so like, I'm like, my cigarette hole isn't big enough. Like, what are you my girdle's about? too tight. But my girdle's fine, but my mask is not. I just, I'm so stressed out. Although I will say that there was, I don't think there was quite as big of a debate about government control here. That's definitely a, yeah, that's definitely a 21st century thing. Mm. So cities had a difficult time figuring out how to enforce the mask mandates. Um, Ultimately, they ended up settling on fining and even imprisoning some anti-maskers. But once in San Francisco, a health worker even shot an anti-masker and two bystanders. Oh my! So I don't know what Those sort of altercation happened that like n- needed to have a gun, but <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Whoa. Um. So because of the lack of understanding about how diseases were transferred and viruses and all that stuff, um, and or how to maximize... So, okay, I'm just going to read my bullet. I'm trying to paraphrase. I'm just going to read it. Because of the lack of understanding about masks, viruses, how to make how to maximize mask effectiveness, and the lack of data collected, it is difficult to see if mask mandates actually worked. However, I would like to make it clear that it's not the case during this current pandemic. We know. And we know that masks are effectual when they are used correctly. Used correctly. <laughs> um, they did not understand clearly how to use masks correctly. <laughs> yeah, they're struggling. So to wrap up, I did want to take a minute to talk about naming and why naming conventions are incredibly important, especially during um, stuff like that affects global things. Um and so this is the real name is the influenza pandemic of 1918 or the H1N1 flu of 1918. 
Uh, it became colloquially known as the Spanish flu, and that's just what we know it as today. Uh, major, so it was called the Spanish flu because, as I mentioned before, major world powers involved in the war didn't want to mention the the pandemic happening. Um, and this actually affects how we still see this pandemic. It's affected in a, a massive part of the population, yeah. a third of the world's population. And we don't really talk about it. We don't. And it's because it was treated as, like, not a big deal from the beginning by these, like, major world powers that were in World War One, And because of that... And because Spain was neutral, they were one of the only ones that were actually reporting on the pandemic. They didn't care about the war. They were neutral. They were like, we're going to talk about this other thing, mm-hmm. the pandemic. Because of this, people began to see Spain as it as it being the Spanish flu. That Spain was like the root of it because I guess they were being the most vocal about it. Mm-hmm. So it became known as the Spanish flu. So... During the time, Spanish flu, much like Chinese people and Asian people broadly today, did face increased threats from the public simply because they were perceived as the root of the problem. Yeah. Um, however, because Spanish people from Spain, not Spanish people like in mm-hmm. South America and Central America, but Spanish people from Spain because they are European and therefore white, um, they kind of didn't face the same racism that... A lot of Asian people are facing now oh. with the China virus thing. Um, and since the virus didn't actually originate in that country, they did not face nearly as much increased risk as Chinese and other Asian people have during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, they were still blamed, but it wasn't nearly as much as the whole China virus propaganda and like all that mm-hmm. stuff. So in May of 2015 the World Health Organization released a statement on the best practices for naming of diseases. They wanted to ensure that the diseases were named by health professionals who knew what they were doing it and not by basically social media Mm -hmm. because that is very dangerous. So I'm going to read to you from this document that they released um, in 2015. So disease may may include uh, generic descriptive terms such as respiratory, neurological, hemorrhage, stuff like that uh they can include stuff like age group so juvenile pediatric senile material or maternal uh the amount of time they'll run um so chronic progressive stuff like that severity seasonality environment subterranean desert ocean coastal uh causal pathogen and associated descriptions coronavirus salmonella influenza influenza parasitic um, and the year of the first detection, and then an arbitrary identifier such as alpha, beta, blah, 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 blah. Those are all things that you can, that is like best practices it's for naming practice, yeah. good. They specifically say that diseases may not include geographic locations such as cities, countries, regions, or continents. Um, yeah, because that'll make some people feel invisible. Yeah. So examples are Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, Spanish Flu, Rift Valley Fever, Lyme disease. Um, I didn't realize that Lyme disease was a geographic. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought that was, I guess there's like was a city an acronym or, something or something named Lyme. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah. I don't know. Um, they can't include people's names, such as uh, <laughs> Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease. Um, they cannot include a species of class or animal or food. So no swine flu, bird flu, monkey pox, blah, blah, blah. No cultural, population, industry, or occupational references. 
So no miners, flu, butchers, cooks, nurses, anything like that. Hmm. Um, and no terms that can indue, incite undue fear. So unknown, death, fatal, epidemic, anything like that. So it makes me think of Typhoid Mary. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's just really interesting that in 2015, as early as 2015, they begin to identify that we might have a real issue here if social yeah. media names a pandemic. And people, real people, will suffer because of it. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so dangerous to call coronavirus or COVID the China virus. Which doesn't even roll off your tongue, guys. Come on. Be I know. better. Like, and I fully believe that the people are saying it just to be... Oh, yeah. There's turrets. no other reason. Just to be... You're being a shithead. Yeah. You're being an asshole. Yes. <laughs> um, so... And if you didn't intend to come across that way, but you say China virus... Relearn it, guys. It's yeah. not. COVID is easy. It's, it rolls it's right so off your tongue. It's so easy. And it's shorter. It's so frustrating to me because, yes, technically, it did come from China. But the freaking World Health Organization six years ago told us, don't do that. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's like. It's not like a new thing. Anything. Like, it is a, it is going to inspire racism. Yeah. And you know it at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. And that's my next point. Too. My next point. So this is why we need naming conventions and to not name diseases after certain populations. From March 2020 to March 2021, there was around 3,800 instances of Asian-related hate reported in the United States, rising in some cities over 150% than in non-pandemic years. Um, Side note is that we should consider that that number is likely only a fraction due to not people not reporting and police not labeling things as hate instances um our university had a problem with it yeah but they did label that as a hate yeah they did i appreciate them labeling that but it's like yeah if your students your educated students are still making these stupid choices you've got to yeah and i don't know if who did that was a student i don't think they know but it was definitely Mm -hmm. someone from the local population Population. could be a student could be well and like atlanta yeah and the shooting in atlanta yeah so, 40% of Asian American and Pacific Islander people in America have reported acting that other people have acted uncomfortable around them since the start of the pandemic, with 31% saying that they have been sub- the subject of racial slurs and other offensive incidents. Um, Guys, it doesn't matter. Or just work together to overcome it. I know. Like, it could have... Just, it could have happened in freaking Kansas. I was going to say, like, it literally could have been from anywhere. Like, and watch, in 50 years, them say, actually, it didn't originate. Right? And it was some, yeah. someone in Texas. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So there's this really fantastic organization that has been formed because of this called Stop Asian American and Pacific, Pacific Islander Hate, which is Stop AAPI Hate. Mm-hmm. They are a non-profit organization that was formed to address this growing problem um, that has happened since the pandemic started. They are doing really great work. They are providing statistics. They have really awesome resources um, for people wanting to learn more about this problem or for people who have experienced a form of uh, Asian-related hate Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. And I think not just during the pandemic, they plan on continuing this work. Right. Um, After the pandemic, they were just formed because of this problem. Mm -hmm. Um, If you would like to help what they do... um, you can just also honestly just go on their website and read up. I think that's like a really great way if you mm-hmm. don't have money to support causes. Yeah. Um, but they also, you can donate to them and they have a merch store. You can go buy a sticker and that's, you, you know, that yeah. functions as a donation as mm-hmm. well. 
Um, so I highly encourage everyone to do that. And yeah, that's my... That was really great. That was my Spanish flu episode. I think you did a really... I really appreciate how Thanks. much you spent com- like comparing the two because the bubonic was in yeah. such a different context that we can learn a lot, but we also can't learn a yeah. lot. It's more evaluation, but that one we can see direct correlation. Yeah, it's like eerie how parallel mm-hmm. they are. And I think even with bubonic, bubonic there was... There was a lot of similarities, more than I was expecting. Well, and it almost makes me laugh that, like, they came out of that into the Roaring Twenties, and yeah, here we go. Yeah. I'm ready for, uh... Yeah. I know. Well, the thing is, it's like, we're looking at COVID, and we're like, oh my god, this is never going to end. But with the Spanish flu, like, it it burned itself out in mm-hmm. a year. And I mean, granted, a lot of people died a lot more than we would ever want from COVID. Right. But I think it just got to the point where it had infected everyone it could infect. And it's like, guys... I'm begging you, get a vaccine. Please. Please, vaccination rates in the U.S. have plummeted, and it's really scary. And And we're so close, guys. We're so close. Don't you want to not do this anymore? We can't have, like, a quarter of the population getting their vaccine and wanting this. If you want to return to normal, we have to take steps. If you want to not wear a mask, and if you want to not have to be afraid of going to get McDonald's. I know. Actually, don't, because we want their workers to have a good walkout strike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't cross a picket line. Yeah. Please don't yeah. cross a picket line. Um, but yeah, just like, like we t- we're talking about, this is such Do your a part. Phenomenal... This is like a social good thing. Well, and we yeah. have the prospect of changing a lot coming out of this. It could be a horrible thing, but also sort of a reset button. Yeah. So like, and I mean, the George let's, Floyd thing happened during COVID. Let's this, make this like the best it can be. Yeah. Like, let's come out of this reevaluating yeah. how we're treating. It's off, a shitty like, situation. Racial issues. It's so, but it's like, let's ones. make something good out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> don't, don't let hate and, and yeah. like racist stuff get in your way. Like calling it the China virus, just like support yeah. and support communities that need help that don't have access to vaccines. Like yeah. a lot of lower income that are disproportionately people of color, like just help each other. Yeah. Please. <sighs> anyway. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, this is a definitely a longer episode. Yeah. Um, um, what's a good, what's a fun fact coming in? <gasps> Abraham Lincoln was a bartender. Was he really? He had a licensed, he was a licensed bartender. Wow. I didn't know they had licensed bartenders in the 1850s. I mean, I'm not sure if the license was equivalent of our TABC <laughs> license, but he was yeah. a bartender. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That is a fun fact. Yeah. That will cheer us up a little coming out yeah. of that. Um, okay. Follow us on T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. At, at T-I-N-A-H-L podcast on Twitter. You. Yes. Yes. Follow there us go. there. That's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, email us. This is not a history lecture at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to see. Well, here. If you have personal anecdotes related to any of the topics that we covered, we'd love to hear from you. That'd be so fun. Your great-grandma had a really cool story about working the ward during the Spanish flu, and you Uh want to share it. Yeah, if she had to dodge someone's blood flying out of their nose, (laughs) let us know. Yeah, yeah, we would love to talk to you. Also, we've forgotten to do this, but please, please, please review us on yes. Apple Podcasts. It helps us out so much. That's like the number one way to grow this podcast and to get it out to more people is if we review mm-hmm. or if we get more reviews. So we would really, really appreciate that. It um, doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Super easy. Most people have an iTunes account, so it's like not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, we would really appreciate that. And, and yeah. Until we talk to you again next week, uh, stay safe and healthy, wear a mask and... If you can, get a vaccine. Yep. 
And by next week, we do mean in a few hours when we're recording this. Yeah, <laughs> the next we'll episode. Again, but. <laughs> yeah, but for you, it'll be a week. But anyway. Yeah, so have a good one. We'll have a good talk one. to you soon. Bye. Bye.